0: Well welcome,
1: cricket, cricket, cricket.
0: Good to see y'all tonight, glad to have those who are here in person, glad to have you online with us, whether you're on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, any of those, be sure to heart, to like, to share, to follow, uh, get the word out there, make some comments there, let us know uh, how you like the service, if you have any issues, let us know that also, uh, if you need the phone live streaming number, uh, please call the church office, or you can see me after the service, I can give that to you, want to say welcome to those of you who are listening uh, on our phone live streaming, uh, that's a wonderful service. Uh, that we have there. If you have access to our church website, go to uh, hollandbaptistchurch.com. Under the info tab is where you'll find the worship bulletin from this past Sunday that has the upcoming activities. Children's worship bulletins are there. You can print those. You can share the link. Uh, Paper copies are in the windowsill to my right over here if you need those. And then also under that same info link is your prayer list for tonight. So be sure to get that downloaded. Just get it downloaded, especially digitally there, like a copy on your device so you can be able to follow along with us. Uh, through that prayer list. And so I want to encourage you to be praying for each one of those uh, individuals on that list. Um, While you're there on the church website, go to that far right-hand side, click the Give Online tab there. You can do your online giving. We have a multitude of people who use that, and uh, thank you for those who do uh, in your giving. Uh, So encourage you to take the time to do that. You don't have to be at home to do that. You can do that in person. Uh, You can give your gifts down here in front. Um, And so just encourage you to take the time to to do your giving uh, there also. Uh, We've got uh, our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes over here to my right uh, that's going on, so be sure to grab the empty boxes there. Uh, There's some little labels beside it that tell you what to put in those boxes. Uh, We need those back, I believe it's this coming Sunday, not this coming Sunday, but the following Sunday. Uh, So I wanna encourage you to get those back to us in a week and a half. Uh, So we'll be having those here as well as some of our cases that will be cartons that we'll be putting together uh, for the drop-off center. Uh, We'll be praying for those on the 19th, I believe is the date for that Sunday. And then we also are doing an angel tree again. So I want to encourage you. uh, The the tree is out in the foyer. Uh, We do have it up. You'll find some ornaments that are hanging on the tree if you want to help and do. Uh, Just pick one off of it. You'll see... On the back side, it'll have a description of if this is a boy or a girl, uh, what their ethnicity is, their age is, uh, shirt sizes, pant sizes, shoe sizes, their favorite color, their special interests, so you can get a special gift. So what we want to encourage you to do is to take one of the angels off the tree. On the other side, it has a little card that says name and number. Uh, And so you're going to write your name. And the number that's on the back of this, uh, like this one says number 27. Uh, So you're gonna write number 27 in that blank. So I encourage you to take the time and do that. Then you're gonna peel this one off, put it in the basket out there, that way we'll know who got which one. uh, And we'll know who to come after when you don't get it back to us in time (laughs) also. uh, So that kinda helps us to track those where they went to. Uh, And then the ornament is yours to keep uh, as a way of saying thank you for helping to get those gifts uh, for those kids. Uh, this will be for Head Start kids. Uh, so these are little, little ones uh, here in Tullahoma, and I believe there may be some of these that are uh, in Winchester uh, also. And so I wanna encourage you to take the time to do that. So pick an angel off the tree, fill out the side that has your name and number, put that in the basket, grab also a bag, this there, take the bag with you and this, put this on your tree, Use this to shop with. When you bring the bag back, attach this to the to the bag, the one that has all the description of who this is for uh, on the bag. And then that way we'll know that you got yours back to us. So just wanted to make you aware of all those things. We've got a lot of things that are going on this month, a lot of things leading up to uh, Christmas and, and as well as for uh, Thanksgiving. This Sunday is uh, our Veterans Day emphasis, although Veterans Day is it uh, d- depends on which calendar you look at, which day it's observed. And so one day is observed, one day is a holiday. So one is Friday, the other is Saturday. But it, in either case, we'll be honoring our veterans this coming Sunday. So I want to encourage you uh, to be here uh, for that also. I think that's all the announcements I have. Um, I'm the one-man band tonight, so <laughs> I'm, I'm, that's why I had to run and go do a couple of things real quick here. Uh, so I'll be leading our song uh, tonight. It's number 484 in your hymn books. It'll be on the screen for you to see and especially for those of you at home to be able to see. Uh, it's 484 Higher Ground.
1: I'm pressing on the upward way new heights I'm gaining every day still praying as I onward bound Lord plant my feet on higher ground Lord lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven stable Feet on higher ground. I want to scale up <laughs> where doubts arise and fears dismay. Though some may dwell where these abound, my prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to live above the world, though Satan's darks at me are hurled. For faith has caught the joyful sound, the song of saints on higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I've found. Lord, lead me on to higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's stable land, a higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Amen. I I got
0: the tune, but I messed up the verses. (laughs) I messed up the verses. Uh, I started into verse 4. 4 comes after (laughs) 2, and I did 4 instead of 2. Uh, let me go ahead and uh, switch over here real quickly to uh, Facebook uh, while you're uh, getting your prayer list out there, especially if you're at home also. want to encourage you to get that out. And I need to make sure all my volumes are down. Switch over to the church. Uh, It's on Facebook that we follow the live feed there here. Uh, So if you have any requests that you want to share, be sure to share those on Facebook. Uh, You can do those anywhere you want to. You can share it on YouTube. You can share it on Twitter. You can comment there and share the comments. uh, Or you can call the church office. You can send an email to us. But this is where we'll see the live feed uh, for you to get your live request in uh, for tonight. So go ahead and get your prayer list out if you've not done that. And uh, let's just go ahead and take a look. We're just gonna be looking at the bottom half tonight again. I believe it'll be next week that we'll be taking a more extensive look again through our list and making sure we're keeping things cleaned up if there's individuals that we can remove from the list or if there's updates that we need to give uh, for some further up the list. But if you have any updates tonight, please do that. If you have any updates online, please share those uh, also. So I want to encourage you to continue uh, to remember Bill Warren, and again, I forgot to tell Amy there about uh, his cancer. He does have some issues still and does still need our prayers, but does not have uh, cancer there. This is on the Highland Baptist Church family side. Uh, We mentioned this last week, but just wanted to mention again uh, tonight, we'll remove him from the list until his surgery. Uh, later, But his uh, Rick German surgery got delayed until December, uh, sometime in December. And so we'll get that date for you later uh, and have him back on the list. D- Jeff Dodson is back home. Uh, they uh, did not find an aneurysm before they sent him home from the hospital. They did some more scans to make sure everything was good. So they sent him back home. Uh, not been able to talk to Kim to find out uh, how he's treating her. <laughs> but uh, she's he is back home and he is re- recuperating. Uh, from his uh, brain bleed that he had. Do want to continue to remember Jack Doubt as he has uh, leukemia, so keep him in your prayers. Uh, Christopher is still deployed. He has about another week and a half at minimum. Uh, May may have to stay longer, uh, but just keep him in your prayers. Um, And uh, I know some ask us where he's at, but we're not at liberty to say uh, where he's at, and so just keep him in your prayers uh, for us and keep mom and dad in your prayers. <laughs> uh, also remember Brian Tate. Has anybody heard an update from Brian? I tried to contact him twice earlier this week and didn't get a response. Uh, so if you've heard from Brian at home and you're online, uh, would you just comment there and let us know? Uh, he was to have a procedure this past Monday uh, and hopefully everything went well uh, with that. Do wanna continue to remember the family of Ken Jordan as he passed away. They have decided not to do a service yet. Uh, they postponed that for, for later. Uh, He has been uh, cremated and they'll do a memorial service at some time later. Uh, In addition to that, Cindy uh, Jordan, she is uh, now, uh, we have her in both places on the list, but she is now in the nursing home at NHC in the rehab, uh, doing rehab there, so keep her in your prayers that that doesn't become a long-term situation uh, there. On the, uh, I- any additions or any updates of anybody else on the family side, on the HBC family side? All right, on the friends and family side, I noticed there was one uh, from online of an update on Katie Pugh. Uh, she had gotten some uh, good report, and, uh, but uh, she continues to do well, looks forward to returning to school in January. Uh, Ella said that she has a scan next month, Uh, So do continue to keep her in prayer that everything still goes well with that. But we did, she did have us remove her from the prayer list that she was cancer free. Uh, So we just praise the Lord for that. She does get to go back to school uh, with all that and just pray that scan will come back well. Uh, She also, Ella also says that she has a friend with infertility issues that had good blood work results this week. We had asked for prayer for her uh, last week also. Uh, So keep her uh, in your prayers. Uh, we also have on the prayer list, looking at the bottom portion there, we have Wilbur Warren, who is Bill Warren's brother, uh, still has some issues there. Brenda Lackey, who has pneumonia. Uh, Charles Miller, uh, who has, uh, who's been scheduled for triple bypass, has kidney infection, UTI. This is Matt, uh, Pastor Matt's uh, uncle, so we wanna keep him in our prayers. And then also, you'll notice there, the family of Randy Tatum. This is Ken Tatum's brother who passed away. Uh, they'll be doing his service tomorrow. So I want to remember Ken and his family uh, in your prayers uh, with that. And then also remember Linda Ray, uh, who has some medical issues. This is one from she's Ms. Pat. She's been at the emergency room at Vanderbilt most of the day today. She had some surgery yesterday and is probably gonna have some more tomorrow. Okay, so Linda's been at the hospital in at Vanderbilt, had some surgery today. She had some surgery yesterday. Probably yesterday have and morning. have some more tomorrow. So uh, keep her in your prayers with the medical issues that she's facing. Any others on the friends and family side that we need to add or update? All right, and then we'll just go down through the nursing home assisted living list. We have Mary Campbell, uh, who's at NHC, uh, Peggy Eggleston at Life Care, Susie Barton at Morning Point, Miss Bertie Davis at Brookdale, uh, Miss Janet Carter, uh, who's at MacArthur Manor. She's one of our faithful phone live streaming listeners. Uh, Floyd Prince and Sue Prince, who are both at Morning Point. Uh, Miss Beverly Daniels, and I've not heard any change in her that she's still at the rehab at Life Care. And then of course we mentioned already Miss Cindy Jordan who's at NHC in the rehab there at NHC, Tullahoma. Any other updates that you know of? Any other additions, any other prayer requests? don't have any others myself, Um, any other updates there, so let's go to the Lord in prayer for these, maybe other unspoken needs that you have on your heart. Uh, If you have unspoken needs at home, we'll be praying for you also, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for who you are and thank you for the blessings that you've given us each and every day. And Lord, we thank you for life itself. We thank you for your sustaining power that, that continues to, to allow us to keep going forward, Lord. We know that uh, without your hand upon us, Lord, you could take us home at, at any moment. Uh, Lord, death could come for any one of us, uh, whether we're saved or not, for any reason at any time. We don't have to be up in years. We don't have to have a lot of medical issues going on. Uh, Lord, it can happen at any moment. So I pray that we would all make sure that we're ready for when that moment and when that day may come for each and every one of us, that we would make sure first that we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and then if we do know Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we're living for Him, doing everything we can uh, to be a witness for Him so that when we enter into the pearly gates there, we'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But Lord, we know that we are not always as faithful as we should be. Uh, Lord, we know that sometimes we have sinned in our hearts and our lives also. And so, Lord, we don't want anything to hinder our prayers with you tonight. So we come on behalf of uh, all these sins uh, in our hearts. Lord, we want to come on behalf of each one of these people with a clean heart, letting you hear us in our hearts and our prayers. So we ask, Lord, for you to cleanse us with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, to wash us, to cleanse us, to renew us, to set us on a path of righteousness for your name's sake. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will dwell within us, that your Holy Spirit will lead us and convict us uh, when we sin, that we would repent immediately. Uh, Father, for those who don't know Christ as their Lord and Savior, we pray that you will use that conviction to bring them to the place of salvation, that they would trust in Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. So, Lord, we pray tonight that uh, you would be with each one of these as as you've heard our prayers. We've asked for cleansing of our hearts. Lord, we pray and intercede on behalf of each person on this list, whether they're one of our church members, whether they're a friend uh, or part of a family of one of our church members, or whether they're those who are in the nursing homes. Father, we just pray for your hands to be upon them. Lord, we pray for your miracle working power in their lives. We thank you for the miracle working power that you've already done in many of these individuals that we've been able to remove them from the list because uh, of the healing that has come. But Father, we just pray for those that still remain here, that we still are uplifting, that you would divinely intervene in a powerful way. Be with those who are taking care of them, doctors and nurses caregivers give them wisdom and discernment as they're caring for these individuals uh... be with their families and make your presence known to them and give them a peace that passes all understanding but father i just pray that in a powerful way you will make yourself known to those individuals uh... lord that they will find a peace in their heart that they will trust in you even in the midst of the valley experiences they're going through and may you use their life as believers as a witness and testimony Uh, of the saving grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, but also, Lord, for those who are in Christ, Lord, I pray that uh, for those who are not in Christ, that you would use these times to bring them uh, to faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, Father, we just pray that that you will embrace these people in your love and your grace and your mercy as you make yourself known to them, show your power Uh, Show your presence to them Lord to let them know that you've not left them nor forsaken them And we pray that you will give them that sweet sweet peace that passes all understanding uh, In the midst of the storms that they're going through and Lord we pray for our nation that you will continue to lead and guide our nation Protect our nation Uh, Lord we pray for the world and and all the unrest and and the wars that are going on around our world We pray for uh, Lord for peace uh, in those places especially we pray for the peace of Israel And, Father, we just pray for your will uh, to be done, for your name to be glorified through those things. We just want to uplift our Wana kids who are here tonight. And we ask, God, that you will just uh, help them to hide your word in their hearts, help them to learn more about you, be with those workers, and may your blessings be upon them as they continue to lead and guide those uh, young minds to come to know Christ. Uh, And, Father, we pray for our youth who are also meeting in the building. We pray, God, that you would just bless them, give them a hunger and a thirst for Jesus uh, a hunger and a thirst to know more about you uh, in the Word. And Father, I just pray for your will to be done in their hearts and in their lives as you raise up the next generation uh, of the church. So bless us tonight too, Lord, in here as we study your Word and as those who have joined us online and at home uh, or maybe even in the nursing homes there, Father, we just pray that uh, the message tonight will speak to their hearts, uh, maybe like, unlike any other messages, Father, especially as we're here Uh, in the book of Zechariah Lord sometimes we look at the Old Testament and and we think what is the relevancy there for my life because that's the Old Testament uh, and that book is so old what could it possibly say to me in the things that I'm going through right now but Lord I pray that from this passage tonight here in Zechariah chapter 4 Lord that you will make yourself known to us in a powerful way. Speak your truth into our hearts, and may we make whatever decisions we need to make tonight, whether it's for salvation or to come closer to you, to walk faithfully with you, uh, to be obedient to your word. Father, I pray that your will will be done in our hearts and our lives tonight. So bless your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Well, take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Zechariah chapter Three, uh, I forgot to tell you, Ben, we'll hop back to last week's, last Wednesday night's, if you will. Uh, we still had one more point there to go through in Zechariah chapter 3, and then we're just going to run right on in through to tonight's in Zechariah chapter 4. If you don't know where Zechariah is, find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and go back two books. Uh, you got Malachi, that's right before Matthew, and then Zechariah. Uh, and as I switch over here to mine too to get to... chapter 3. So we were on point uh, 6, to help you out ben, there, uh, that God wants us to feel forgiven when we are forgiven. Uh, and so I know these are small on the screen, but this is the best I could do to get them all uh, in the screen there, and you could have those references for the portions that we're looking at. So we, we are seeing here in this fourth vision. Uh, that Zechariah has been given to him by God. At the conclusion of this vision, the Lord tells Joshua through Zechariah here that he and those with him are a sign of things to come, pointing to what God is going to do in the future. Uh, And so let's just read chapter 3, verse 8 through verse 10, and that'll finish us up there, and we'll talk about a few things about these three verses. So in verse 8 of chapter 3, it says, Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are a sign. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch, for behold, on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone, pay attention to this, because we'll come back to this in chapter 4, Uh, He says, "...on the stone that I have set before Joshua, on a single stone, with seven eyes, I will engrave its inscription, declares the Lord of hosts, and I will remove the iniquity of this land in a single day. In that day, declares the Lord of hosts, every one of you will invite his neighbor to come under his vine and under his fig tree." And so that word translated sign there uh, indicates a symbol with a prophetic significance, uh, the name Joshua, the Hebrew is Yeshua. Uh, it's it's a, uh, it itself is a sign in, in the sense that the Hebrew form of that name is Jesus. Joshua, the high priest uh, here, point is pointing forward to Jesus. He's pointing forward by his very name uh, to the Messiah. Uh, he the, the the Messiah who is the greatest high priest, and, and so he and his companions here have received this message concerning uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. And this passage here uses two titles to describe the Messiah. One of the titles is, My Servant. The other is, The Branch. Now, Servant is the most common name in, in the Old Testament for the Messiah, used even more frequently than the word Messiah itself. Which is interesting because when Jesus was ministering, uh, the, the one thing that the, the, the Jewish people kept looking for was not, a, uh, was not a servant. They weren't looking for the Messiah to be a servant. They were looking for the Messiah to be a ruler who would, who would overthrow the Roman oppression on them and free them from all of that and set up His kingdom on this earth. And that is true, but that is something that's still to happen out in the future. The primary thing that Jesus came to do in His first coming was to be a servant. And so that's why many times uh, the, that's the most common term used for the Messiah. Uh, and, and yet those in Jesus' day miss that. They miss those verses uh, referencing uh, the Messiah being a servant. Uh, and so the title servant emphasizes the work of the Messiah in obeying the will uh, of the Lord and doing His work. The other Messianic title that's given here is the word the branch. Now, branch is more unusual. The Messiah is called the branch four significant times in the Old Testament, and each one of those mention, each one of those mentions connects to an aspect of Jesus that's revealed in the four gospels. Now we're not going to get deep into this, but I just want to give you some information. You can jot it down if you want. The branch is called the royal king in Jeremiah 23 and verse 5. When you read Matthew's gospel, that's the whole emphasis of Matthew's gospel is to show Jesus as the king of Israel. The branch is also called God's servant as we see here in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 8. In Mark's gospel, that's the whole emphasis of Mark's gospel is that here is Jesus who has come as the Messiah who is the suffering servant, who is God's servant. Also, the branch is called a man. We're going to see that later in Zechariah chapter 6 and verse 12. In Luke's Gospel, what is Luke his emphasis about? Jesus is the Son, is, is, uh, the son of Man. Uh, where, where others are talking more about Him being the Son of God, Luke is emphasizing His humanity. Uh, and so, uh, he, He's revealed as the Son of Man in Luke's Gospel. The branch is also described as belonging to God in Isaiah chapter 4 and verse 2. In John's Gospel, Jesus is revealed as John says, John the Baptist says, here comes the Son of God. Uh, And so, and that was a big brouhaha if you read uh, John's Gospel, that the the world there, the Jewish people didn't like uh, him being called the Son of God. And so yet that's what John's emphasis is about, is about uh, Jesus's divinity. And so in talking about the Messiah as the branch then, God is unveiling here in the Old Testament, some 400 years, a little more than 400 years, before Jesus is born physically on this earth. He's revealing who the Messiah will be as revealed in the gospel. So all these things we're seeing in Zechariah are prophecies that will be fulfilled uh, in the first coming of Jesus, and there'll be some that we'll see that will yet to be uh, in the future. In verse 9 here of Zechariah 3, the Lord sets before Joshua this stone, uh, which is a further image of the coming Messiah. In other prophetic passages, the Messiah is identified as the cornerstone. Uh, we talk about him as the rock that causes a stumbling, the stone that the builders rejected. We read about that in the New Testament, the stone that, that strikes and crushes evil. The idea of the Messiah, as a stone uh, pictures his dependability, his sureness, a rock is sure, is something you can hold on to, that you can cling to uh, in the midst of the storms of life. Uh, And so he is dependable, he is sure. Uh, It also talks about his ability to to overcome uh, God's enemies and, and his distinctiveness as the foundation. Uh, of the church uh, as the rock being the foundation. And so notably, the stone presented to Joshua has how many eyes? Seven eyes. In Scripture, if you remember when we looked at the book of Revelation and some of the Old Testament prophecies that we've looked at before, uh, and we had a a little numbers chart that we gave out. I may try to get those reprinted again to to have those for you so you can see what numbers represent uh, in the Bible generally. And so the number seven, uh, is the number of fullness, the number of completion, the number of perfection. Uh, how do we get that? Well, you think about, there's just one of the ways we get that is, is how many days of creation were there? There were six, and there was the seventh day that God rested uh, after the creation. It was full, it was complete, uh, it was perfect. And so uh, that's a, a little bit of a correlation there that we see uh, with the number seven being fullness, completion, perfection. Well, the seven eyes on the stone are the seven facets or the seven sides uh, of the stone. If the eyes are facets like a gemstone, then the gem in the high priest's turban uh, or the gold plate worn over his breast, uh, bearing the seven-letter Hebrew inscription, Q-D-S-Y-H-W-H, which is Yahweh, Yahweh, which means holy to the Lord, uh, as described in Exodus 26. Uh, But it most probably is referencing, as we said here, the seven eyes symbolizing the full wisdom of the Messiah. He sees all, He knows all, uh, He judges with perfection. He is coming to judge in fullness. And that also agrees with what we're gonna see in our passage tonight in Zechariah 4 verse 10, which describes the seven eyes of the Lord which scan throughout the whole earth. And so the Lord promises to engrave an inscription On this stone. Now, the early church fathers understood this cutting into the stone to symbolize the scars that Jesus bore during his crucifixion. Uh, The message of the inscription is clearly redemptive in that it is saying that this rock is going to have uh, these these etchings into it, this engraving into it, uh, bearing the scars. Jesus saying, I will take away the guilt of this land in a single day. That that would be the complete spiritual cleansing of the nation that was accomplished in one day by Jesus on Calvary. Uh, That one day also points forward though to the time when Israel will look to Jesus in repentance and and be forgiven. And so the results of the Messiah's redemption and forgiveness are described at the end of this passage that says, in that day or on that day, each of you will invite his neighbor to sit under his vine and his fig tree. That's an image there uh, of each Israelite sitting under his own vine, his own fig tree, which is a common Hebrew figure of speech expressing an absolute peace. Uh, You can't sit under a fig tree uh, unless there is uh, peace because there's too much turmoil and war going on. It's not going to do you any good under there. And then it moves from Joshua in all the filth of his sin that we read about earlier in chapter 3, to every Israelite enjoying the blessings of peace and harmony with the Lord. And so it's through the Messiah who is the servant, who is the branch, who is the stone that God has made a way for his people to overcome uh, the accusations of Satan and the condemnation of of sin. We saw those accusations being given in the beginning of chapter 3 and he's always accusing us. He's accusing the brethren uh, day and night. Uh, And so uh, that's the emphasis of what we get from chapter 3. Now look if you will at chapter 4. So you come to chapter 4 and chapter 4 holds within it probably the, the most famous or well known verse in all of the book. Zechariah, uh, But let me just begin here to just kind of lay some things out to share with you an illustration that kind of sets the stage for Zechariah chapter 4. Hundreds of thousands of spectators ha- had lined San Francisco Bay on September the 25th, 2013 to watch two boats who uh, were battling one another for the oldest trophy in the in international sport, the America's Cup. That year, the Oracle, Oracle team, USA, overcame a 1 to 8 deficit to defeat the Emirates team, New Zealand, 9 to 8 in the largest comeback in the race's 162-year history. Larry Ellison, who was a billionaire who sponsored the Oracle team, reportedly spent more than $100 million to win the race. He commissioned a 72-foot catamaran yacht that weighed seven tons, sported carbon fiber sails, 131 foot tall, uh, reached incredible speeds, over 50 miles per hour. He hired an experienced 11-member crew to man the ship, and he put a veteran captain, Sir Ben Ansley, in charge. But one of those things, uh, none of those things, were the essential things that helped the ship win the victory. It wasn't the expert crew. It wasn't the high-tech sails. It wasn't the engineering. It wasn't all that money that he threw at that to to bring about that in that race. Not even the tactics of the captain. None of those things were the most essential part. As with any sailing race, victory ultimately depends on what? The win. If you don't have wind, you're not going nowhere. And and if you don't have catching the the gusts of wind, you're not going to win, no matter what. Uh, Maybe the best-known phrase from the book of Zechariah is this, Not by strength, nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And we find that down in verse 6. The Hebrew term for spirit there is ruach, R-U-A-C-H if you're writing it down, ruach. It's a word also that means wind in many contexts. The Greek word for spirit used in the New Testament is the Greek word pneuma. and many places, the word pneuma is also translated wind. So it's important to understand that God's spirit is a person, a part of the triune God along with the Father and God the Son. God's Spirit isn't just a a force or a presence or a power. Still, there's something helpful and insightful in the fact that the word spirit can also mean wind. I mean, think about a few implications here about that. Like God's Spirit, wind is seen but creates visible results. It's not seen, but it creates visible results. Jesus told Nicodemus, John chapter 3, and verse eight, and said, "The wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from, or where it's go- where it goes." He says, "So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit." So that's one of the uh, one of the things we can learn from the Spirit being like wind. Secondly, the wind's strength can only be accessed when the conditions are right. So a cell has to be turned toward the wind in order to be moved by it. In the same way, God commands us as believers in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 to be filled with the Spirit. It's like a sail is filled with the wind. We're to be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit only operates fully in our hearts and in our lives when our hearts are in a posture of surrender that we're letting Him take us where He wants us to be. And then thirdly, like the Spirit, wind has great power, greater power than than any human effort. Think about this, while the wind-powered yachts in the America's Cup reach speeds of 55 miles per hour, you could take an eight-man Olympic rowing crew, they can't even reach half that speed. So the wind makes the difference. To an even greater degree, we need God's Spirit, God's divine wind in our sails in order to live for Him and to serve Him with power. So if you're here tonight or you're watching online and you've been saved, then understand that the Holy Spirit of God is in you. You belong to, to belong to Jesus means that you have the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, here's what Paul says. You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. So, in other words, to, the, to, the, the failure to have God's Spirit is a failure to belong to Jesus. However, if you do really belong to Jesus, then God's Holy Spirit has come to live inside of you. And so, the Bible goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, you are not your own. And so on the basis of His presence in our bodies, God's Spirit is available to fill believers, which speaks to His control, to His dominance, to His power in our lives. Our greatest need as believers is for God's Spirit to be in us not us living in our own strength. And that's the message of Zechariah chapter 4. That's true in every area of life, uh, whether it's in marriage, whether it's your family, whether it's about business or career or ministry or church, absolutely, undeniably, and essentially, we have to have God's Spirit because God's Spirit can do what God alone can do. And so, chapter 4 here gets into the fifth vision uh, that the Lord gives to Zechariah to proclaim. So, understand that this vision can be understood by viewing it through the lens of Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. So, keep that perspective in mind as we read through everything here in Zechariah chapter 4. So, God wanted Zechariah here to take the message of this vision to a specific person. He wanted him to take it to a man by the name of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the governor of the land of Judah. Along with the rest of of the remnant who had returned to the land, Zerubbabel had been given the task of rebuilding the temple of God in Jerusalem. Under Zerubbabel's leadership, the work had started over a decade before. He had led the people to lay the temple's foundation, but nothing had happened since then. And so for the temple, which represented God's presence, His blessings, His power, for the temple to be left incomplete was a burden to the heart of Zerubbabel and the people because every day they woke up. They saw it. They saw it lying in ruins. So long long after they returned to rebuild, it it must have been discouraging for them to see that day after day and, and defeating for them. And more than that, they probably began to doubt whether they would ever build the temple because they had been so powerless for so long to do it. In the middle of their hopelessness and in the middle of their discouragement, the Lord sends this message to Zerubbabel, and we want to think about each part, as we said, under Zechariah 4:6. not by strength. In other words, strength refers to the military power of Zerubbabel and his people. And God's saying, in effect, this, Zerubbabel, the answer is not in the power of your armies or your weapons or your horses or your chariots. That's not how you're going to accomplish this task. It's not going to be by your strength. He says it's also not going to be by might might refers to human manpower. God was telling Zerubbabel here, getting people motivated so that they put their all in this, into this effort, that's not gonna get it done. Instead, God promises to achieve what needed to be accomplished by my spirit only god's spirit could accomplish the task that was in front of god's people if it could have been done in their own power it would have been done over the last 16 years but they hadn't done it all that lay there was the foundation and so as this vision unfolds this passage reveals three things only the spirit of god can do first is this god's spirit conquers the greatest obstacles look at verse 1 down to verse 7 and the angel who talked with me came again and woke me. So if he says he woke me, that means he probably was sleeping. He has to wake him up. He woke me like a man who is awakened out of a sleep. He said to me, What do you see? I said, I see and behold a lampstand, all of gold, with a bowl on top of it, and seven lamps on it, with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl, and the other on its left. And I said to the angel, who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Then look at verse 7. Who are you, O oh, great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you will become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. So here, as we said, this angel that's been interpreting these visions for Zechariah wakes him out of this, uh, as if out of a sleep. He begins to show him these objects uh, that are related to worship in the temple. So uh, what's one of the things he sees? He sees the golden lamp stand. Uh, That's a furnishing of the temple. It looks much like a candelabra. It's what we know today, or we call today, the menorah. Uh, And so that's what the Hebrew word for lampstand is, menorah. And so this lampstand seems to be similar to the one in the tabernacle that's described back in Exodus 25. It's also similar to the 10 lampstands that are in Solomon's temple that are in 1 Kings chapter 7. And so this lampstand has a significantly different source of oil, though, from either of those lampstands. Because notice the description. In both the tabernacle and the temple, it was the duty of the high priest uh, to trim the wicks of the lampstands every morning and every evening to fill the lamps with oil so that they would keep burning. In Zechariah's vision, however, the prophet sees a bowl or a reservoir of oil suspended above the lampstand. Uh, The bowl has seven channels coming out of each bowl, uh, making a total of 49 conduits. And and oil pours down from those channels into the lamps in an abundant supply. So Zechariah, he also sees some olive trees, one on the right, one on the left. So you got olive trees where you're getting olive oil from, Olive oil is what's filling the bowls. The oil is coming down through these uh, tubes, if you will, a, in his vision, uh, to the lampstands to have a continual source of oil always coming through. Later in the passage, Zechariah notices these trees are tapped with golden conduits which are, from which golden oil pours out. Uh, and you'll see that in verse 12 if you want to read ahead into verse 12. So instead of... Instead of requiring human effort to keep the lamps burning like it used to be with the high priest having to do that perpetually always, the Lord has provided a perpetual source of oil. And so the imagery thus far is kind of straightforward here. The golden lampstand symbolizes God's people, Israel. The oil produced by the olive trees, supplied by the suspended bowl, delivered by the 49 channels, represents the work of the Holy Spirit, empowering Israel to be a light to the nations and directing them to God. When Zachariah asked the angel the meaning of what he's seen, instead of giving an immediate explanation, Uh, of the symbolism of the lampstand, the bowl, the olive trees, the angel begins to explain the spiritual truth behind the symbols, not by strength, not by might, but by my spirit. So the vision is portraying this endless supply of God's power for His people to accomplish God's purpose supplied by Himself. So in this vision, the bowl is above the lamp, that indicates that God's power, uh, isn't something that, that we as human beings can, can work up. God's power is something that he sends down. When the channels are open in our lives, in our relationship with God, to receive the Holy Spirit's power, he's ready to send down everything we need to do his work. When you come to verse 7, notice that the Lord gives the message to Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain? So what is this mountain? This mountain is the opposition uh, that stood in front of Zerubbabel as he's trying to do God's work, as he's trying to rebuild the temple. It's like this big, huge mountain, if you will, that they just can't seem to get past this mountain. They can't seem to get past it to build on the foundation that's been laid there. And for 16 years, this has gone on. Understand that God's enemies living in the area had come against their revival. They had come against the Jews with words of discouragement, words of hostility. Imagine their insults and things they might have said. You can't rebuild this temple. You barely got it started and, and, and you'll never finish it. You might as well quit. In, in, in fact, we're going to fight at you, fight against you at every at every turn. And so in the face of that mountain of opposition, here's what God is saying through Zerubbabel to his people. What are you, O mountain? What are you, O obstacle? Zerubbabel is going to flatten you by the power of my spirit like the plains. A mountain is going to be made less than a molehill. That's what he's saying. God's spirit can overcome mountainous obstacles in our way, and reduce them to level ground so that we can then do what God is calling us to do. And that's what God is promising here, that by His Spirit, Zerubbabel will one day, as verse 7 goes on to say, He will bring forward the top stone amidst the shouts of grace grace to it. In other words, the leader uh, of God's people is going to complete the temple. He's going to place the final touch on its highest point. And the beauty of this rebuilt house of the Lord is going to be evident, evident to everyone who sees it. All of this is going to come through the work of God's Spirit, not because of Zerubbabel's strength, not because of the might of the people but by God's Spirit. Understand this for us tonight, God's Spirit can conquer our greatest obstacles. Too many times though, we allow the obstacle that's before us to conquer us. But by the power of God's Spirit, when there's a mountain before you, when there's some opposition or some obstacle standing in front of you, daring us to even try to trust God, we can say, who are you, O great mountain? And whether you're facing a mountain of discouragement, whether you're facing a mountain of financial crisis or a mountain of past failures, the mountains of addiction or, or criticism or, or, or misplaced guilt from your past, maybe it's the mountain of, of, of doubt about your future Here's what you can do. You can, st- If you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. You have the power of Almighty God within you. You can stand before that mountain and say, what are you, great mountain? What are you, obstacle before God? Standing on your own, you'd never have an answer for the mountains we face. But standing in the power of God's Holy Spirit, when the mountain says... I'm a mountain, what are you? We can say, I'm a child of the living God, living in the power of God's Spirit. The blood of Jesus Christ has redeemed me. His Spirit lives inside me. Mountain, you will become like level ground in front of me. Praise the Lord. There may be mountains that you faced for years. Think about this mountain Zaree Babel faced, six years he faced this mountain of an incomplete temple. Every day they had opposition. And every day of continued opposition and the increasing sense of defeat made that mountain seem larger and more overwhelming than it really was. And by now you may think that you just won't ever overcome whatever this obstacle might be in your life. It won't ever flatten out uh, your, the mountain before you. But understand this, you won't, but God's Spirit can overcome it because He lives inside of you and He will empower you. The greatest obstacles you face can be overcome as you trust in Him. God's Spirit conquers even the greatest of obstacles. Look at verse 8 down to verse 10, three more verses and we'll close for tonight. Here's what else I want you to see that we are revealed through this vision is that God's spirit overcomes the smallest beginnings. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, "The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it." Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven eyes are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth." So in these three verses, verse 8, 9, and 10 here, Zechariah's fifth vision continues with this word of encouragement. In verse 9, the Lord acknowledges that Zerubbabel, yes, he's the one who laid the foundation of the temple. He started the rebuilding of the project a number of years before, back in 537, 536 BC. You read about that in Ezra chapter 3. When the rebuilding began, the, the priests had dressed in their robes. They had a great celebration. They broke out the trumpets uh, while the Levites stood with cymbals in hand to lead the people of Israel in praise. Praise God, we've got the foundation going, we've got the foundation going. Praise God. Together the people shouted. They gave thanks to the Lord for for his goodness, for his eternal uh, love. There had been a tremendous celebration about the foundation of the Lord's house that had been laid. Now the year is 519 B.C., it's now over 17 years that have passed. And the foundation laying there has become a bitter testimony to an unfulfilled hope. How encouraged Zerubbabel must have been to hear this word from God. Zerubbabel, your hand started the work. Guess what, Zerubbabel? You're going to finish it. You are going to finish it. It is going to be completed and your hand is going to be completing it. So he's saying uh, there, we see that in verse 9, so the language here is using synodotes in which the parts of Zerubbabel's hands represent the whole man himself, and repeating that figure of speech, Zerubbabel's hands have laid the foundation, his hands will complete it. That emphasizes the point here, the fact that Zerubbabel who had personally began building the temple is also going to be a part of God's given task of completing it. So when Zerubbabel finishes the temple. The angel promises this, then you will know that the Lord of Hosts has sent me to you. And so with those words, which repeat an identical pledge from back in chapter two and verse nine, and in verse 11 of chapter two, the angel offered not only a confirmation of Zechariah's prophetic ministry, but also an assurance of the validity of the vision that the angel had shown to the prophet. So as a result, the angel asked this question, For whoever has despised the day of small things. Now that word translated despised is the Hebrew word buzz. It means to scorn, means to hold in contempt. It implies showing disrespect for someone or something. So your word used in Proverbs to caution fools uh, against despising God's wisdom uh, or to warn about the danger of disrespecting your mother uh, or your father. It's also used uh, to, about the, to judge those who hold God's word in contempt. So the angel's question in verse 10 carries a cautionary tone here. Another version captures this warning especially well in verse 10. This other version says it this way. Who dares to make light of small beginnings? The day of small beginnings is referring to Zerubbabel and the other returning Jews who started the work on the temple. The longer Zerubbabel and his group went without completing the foundation, uh, seemed to be, uh, for them, it it just seemed to be, uh, the, the more insignificant that foundation seemed to be for them. Uh, I, I shared a story before about a, a church back home in Florida that had the same type of thing happen. They laid the foundation, built the walls, and for whatever reason uh, it stopped. Uh, you could drive down the road, you'd see it day after day. The work, they had dug the footings, they had poured the concrete, they had started up with those walls. Then one day you drove by and the construction just stopped. Nobody knew why. Did they run out of money? Was there division in the church? Who knows? But for whatever reason, that building just sat there unfinished for years. Eventually weeds began to overtake it. Uh, a, a building that looked so promising at the beginning became more and more insignificant as the days passed with no progress. That's the picture of the temple with Babel. For more than a decade and a half before Zerubbabel had laid, uh, a decade and a half before, Zerubabel had laid the foundation. He'd marked out the footings uh, the, to show where the temple was going to be. He and his workers, uh, along with the rest, they, they must have had an excitement in their hearts as they began to rebuild. They, they began to do it, and then the opposition came. The challenges came. The work stopped. And for days and weeks and even years, nothing happened. Now there were those among God's people who despised the day of small things, who held the construction of the temple in contempt, who were saying, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's happened for the last 10 years. Nothing's happened in 15 years. Nothing's ever gonna happen. As time passed, the project began to look less and less significant, and more and more ill-advised. The Lord's message for Zerubbabel was that when His Spirit touches something that looks small, when His Spirit touches something that looks inconsequential, God will do something significant. We're going to see what significance He's going to do next week in the remainder of this chapter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word tonight. Lord, that though we may feel or think ourselves insignificant, You can take any of us, Lord, and use us to do great things in your kingdom. Father, I pray that we would be faithful and encouraged by this passage tonight to know, God, that with the power of your Spirit within us, the mountain can come down and we can press forward into all that you would have us to do. Whatever the obstacle is in our lives, all we have to do is come with a heart of surrender before you, saying, here I am, Lord. Take me use me, do whatever needs to be done to bring down this mountain. And Father, I pray that you'd do that in our lives and that we would bring a testimony, Lord, of your great and mighty work in our lives that would lead to the salvation of souls, that it would lead to the encouragement of believers, and that we, Lord, would be able to celebrate that the work we have begun, you have completed in our hearts and our lives here at Highland. Lord, I pray for your blessings to be upon us in the days ahead. And we ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thank you so much for joining with us uh, there online. I don't have Facebook Live up. Do you, Ben? Okay. Uh, So, If you do have a prayer request that's on there, we'll be sure to add it to our prayer request list. Uh, But thank you so much for joining with us tonight there. We look forward to seeing you Sunday. Uh, 9.15 for Sunday school, 10.30 for worship. Again, we'll be recognizing our veterans this Sunday, so be sure to come uh, for that part of our service also. You have a blessed week, a safe week, and we'll see you this coming Sunday.